starting in verse 1. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against many. Many there be which say of my soul that there is no help for him in God, Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of 10,000 of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people, Selah. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we humbly come to you this evening, Lord, um, begging for your love, your grace, and your mercy, Lord, and that you'll help me and help us this evening, Lord, to set the affairs of this life aside, Lord. We are constantly reminded as we are plagued with troubles of a day when there'll be no more troubles. As we're plagued with our minds of fears, we long for a day where there's no more fear. We long for a place to get to in our own spiritual lives where we are in absolute peace. That we too will say like the psalmist, I lay me down to sleep. No matter what foe or what battle or what fears may await me. Because we trust wholly in you. Lord, I pray that you'll refresh my mind and my heart, God, with this text Help me to convey the truths of your word. Help me to convey the message that you would have for us here this evening. Feed us, Lord. May we go home full of your word. We give thanks to you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Growing up, my grandfather was notoriously known for being a prankster. He loved hot coffee. He loved hot, hot coffee. And one of the things that my grandpa loved to do is that after he would put his sugar in his coffee, he would take a spoon and stir up his coffee. And this is where the prank would come. He would try to trick someone else to put the spoon in the sink, and he would put the spoon in your hand and burn your hand. And if he couldn't get someone to grab the spoon from him, then he would find someone to pull the spoon out and touch their arm with it just to see them yelp. Kind of a cruel prank, but he loved it. Now, let me say this. The spoon was not hot because the spoon said, I want to be hot today, right? The spoon was not hot because it was stressed out with the day. The spoon was hot because of the area in which it was hanging out, and that was inside the coffee. Not only was the coffee hot, but when the spoon went in the coffee, the spoon became hot. 
And when the spoon came out, everything it touched, it became hot also. It was the spoon's relationship to the coffee that changed everything. It was not the efforts of the spoon. David has hit a changing point in verses 1 and 2 when he transitions to 3. Verses 1 and 2 kind of give us the efforts of his own life. We see the lamenting. We see all of these things. But then in in verse number 3, we see that his efforts have gone away, but everything has been made the same because of his relationship in God. God's view of David's problems was nothing at all. Once David rested in God, David's problems became nothing at all. But if David tried to handle his problems in and of himself, that's when all the worries came. God's desire for all of us as Christians is that we will be conformed to the image of his son, that we will be in Christ. And therefore, when we were in Christ, you know what? We're going to be like Christ. When people interact with us, they will know the exact temperature because they will hear from our lips and they will know exactly where we have been. When we left off this morning, we seen that it's best to leave deciphering the things of the Lord to the the Lord. We learned this morning that when it comes to deciphering life's problems and God's judgments, that it's best to leave those things God himself. While men said that there was no help for David in God, the rest of the psalm begs to differ that God is the only place to receive help. In verses 1 and 2, we have lamenting. In verses number 3, as we said this morning, the night is turned to day. The cloud is rolled back. The valley becomes into a a mountaintop. What was a dark moment in David's life? Now in verse 3, the sun is shining. Why? Because who God is and was to David. Who God is in our mind, who God is in our life has the ability to change how we view life's problems. Tozer said that the most valuable thought in one person's mind is the thought that comes to their mind when they think of God. It literally is the determining factor in how they view life. Notice what David says here in verse number three. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of mine head. Now, connect that back to verse number two. When he first started off and said, many say of me, when he starts off in verse two, that many there be which say of my soul that there is no help for him in God. David now changes and says, but thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. This is David being reminded again that he had someone more powerful around him than we like to read about in 1 Samuel chapter 6 when we read about David's mighty men. 
David here in this testimonial, when he says that all of these people are saying these things, that he has no help, that he has no hope. He doesn't look to the men who are around him, but he said, but, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. It's like, imagine it like this, that in the midst of David's lamenting, in the midst of David confessing his problems, he pauses in all of this lamenting to open up for a time of testimonial. That's what they say. They have a different testimony, testimony than what I have. Remember, as we talked about it in this morning, that when Abraham sent to, when Abraham was sent to fetch Lot from captivity, God told Abraham in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision saying, fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. You see, this is not just a one-time offer that was given to Abraham. This is not a one-time offer that God gave unto David. Fear not, I am thy shield. This is a promise, a, a hope, a resting ground for every child of God. That we have nothing to fear because as long as our hope and faith and trust is in the Lord, he is our shield. Now, we at times like to take a different perspective and say, if God was truly our shield, then how did this ever get passed? But David says, it's not so that everything that has happened in my life, and for us, we may even in our own lives be bitter that, hey, you know what? If God is my shield, then why did this happen in my life? I guess the real question is, how is God not your shield and you're still here? We too have this same confession as David, but thou, O oh Lord, art a shield for me. You see, this is the promise to every child of God that God will protect his own. Whenever we see a battle raging, when, whenever we say, say watch movies, we always cringe when an arrow makes it past the shield. Whenever we see the battle raging, we always seem to cringe when a when a soldier um, when a soldier when another soldier's arrow slips in past the shield. But notice what the psalmist says: "The Lord is my shield." The reason I love this so much is because David is proclaiming that he has the ultimate form of protection. Whenever we see a battle raging, they have the shield forward, which always leaves them open in the backside where an enemy could get them. The shield is only so big to carry. There's always an open spot to experience an injury. But David says, the Lord is my shield. And the God is omniscient. He's all powerful. He doesn't need me to carry him. He carries me. My protection is all around me. The psalmist says, the Lord is my shield. This means there's no vulnerable spots in his protection. It means that there are no areas in which the enemy can sneak his weapon without finding my protection in God. Not only is he my shield, but he is my glory. The psalmist was saying that 
Yes, I've been chased out of my city. Think about this. Not only is my shield, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory. Sons betrayed him, chased out of his city, chased out of his throne, chased out of his country, by his own people, off his throne. And yet David says, I still have glory. Because thou, O Lord, art a shield for me in my glory. Though I may be far from Jerusalem, I'm not far from God. David's confession is that he's never found his glory in the throne. That he's never found his glory in the riches. He's never found his glory in the title. He's never found his glory in his family. He says, my glory alone rests in God. Thou, O Lord, art my glory. How can a man be underneath the sun, underneath the stars, away from home, away from his clothes, away from his food, away from his supplies, away from all that he has, and still write a psalm like this? Because his satisfaction solely rests in God. When we find ourselves in a place where God is the ultimate form of satisfaction in our life, we will find ourselves ultimately satisfied. All of these things that come and go will not affect us in our lives. It is in you that I rejoice. It is in you that I sing a song. These Selahs that we see here in three parts here. Actually, you could really say that this psalm in Psalms chapter 3 is broke up into three parts. The Selah at the end of verse 2, the Selah at the end of verse 4, and the Selah at the end of verse 8. Though we not, may not fully understand what Selah means, we do understand that it is some kind of musical note. Which means that David not only was writing down facts, but these truths were so embedded in his heart that he was singing all about it. When we see people today at work and we hear people singing, we say, Whew, what's got you so excited? What has you so joyful? What has you in such a chipper mood? David with 30 other men was laying underneath the stars at night. <laughs> fled from his own kingdom, singing a song. He, he sung the other 30 to sleep because God was the base source of his glory. It was everything. His relationship with God meant the entire world to him. And he says, he goes on to say, not only is he his glory, but he is the lifter of my Head. You know, when you read, like we talked about, when you read 2 Samuel chapter 13 through 18, you come to the realization, it says there, I think, in um, somewhere around chapter 16 and verse 30, that David walked out hanging his head low. His head was covered. Not only was his head covered, not only was his head covered, but it says that he was barefoot. And everybody with him in 1530. And David went up by the ascent of Mount of Olives and wept as he went up and his head covered and he went barefoot. And all the people that was with him covered every man his head. And they went up and weeping as they went up. 
They were broken. David here, as he writes this psalm, is acknowledging that his head is hung low. No shoes on his feet. At this moment in his life, his head is hung low. His son betrayed him. His own people betrayed him. His wise counselor betrayed him. It almost seems oxymoronic to say his wise counselor made such a foolish decision. But remember the basis of this entire psalm was based upon what Absalom betraying him. But, but everyone believed that this was the result of David's sin with Bathsheba. How do we ever arise at, arrive at a place where a wise counselor betrays his king? It's the consequences of sin. Ahipothel was the wise counselor. As a matter of fact, the Bible says about how wise, counsel, how wise of a counselor Ahipothel was. In 2 Samuel 16 and 23, it says, And the counsel of Ahipothel, which he counseled in those days, was as if a man had inquired at the oracle of God. So was all the counsel of Ahipothel, both with David and with Absalom. Now, remember what we said this morning in verse 2. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. There was many who were saying that there was no help for David in God. And you know what? Even the wisest counselor in the land, Ahipothel, had turned his back at David, and he was like consulting the oracles of God, and he even was saying, death to David. And yet God said, it's not so. If this doesn't even bring us to a place where we further need to understand and be wise and guard our words about what judgment God is putting upon someone and what people are experiencing in their life, there's not a better text to point that out than right here. Even Ahipothel says, death to David. Now we even say, how does this wise counselor turn against David here? By reading the genealogies in 2 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 24, we realize that Ahipothel had a son named Eliam. And Eliam had a daughter named Bathsheba. And so it is. All this bitterness festered up inside of wise Ahipothel. This is how a godly man began to descend down the path of bitterness that eventually destroyed not just his wisdom, but eventually destroyed him in the end. By the way, I love how God's word points things out. Notice what the end of that verse said, as I just read before. So was all the counsel of Ahipothel, meaning he was like consulting the oracles of God, but both with David and with Absalom. The difference between David and his son Absalom is that when Ahipothel gave wise counsel, he took Hushai's uh, uh, advice instead of li listening to Ahipothel. Things may have turned out differently had he listened to Ahipothel. He gave, the word of God says, Absal or that Ahipothel gave wise counsel to Absalom, but Absalom didn't listen to it. Absalom decided to listen to Hushai, and yet, notice all of this. 
that David in the midst of all of this, in this second Samuel chapter 16, where his head is hung low, he writes this psalm. And the reason his head is hung low is because in that very next verse, he goes on to speak of his wise counselors who betrayed him. How much worse can it get? Not only was it my son, not only was it my people, but now it was the people who were the closest to me. It's the people who knew the most about me. But notice what David says. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter of mine head. Yes, David knew that it was his sin that got him here. David knew it was his sin that caused him to hang his head low. But David also knew that God was a restorer, that God was a forgiver. And he believed with all of his heart that God would one day lift his head up, that God would defend the defenseless, that God would bring joy and glory to the despised, and he would bring joy to the comfortless. David believed with all his heart that he should just let God be his defense. Another take on this portion here, this statement that God will lift his head. It was said that in the ancient of days that a monarch would not only be king, but he would be judge also. And as he would judge the land, whenever he would render a verdict against someone, if it was that you were found guilty, the monarch would, then you would have to bow down before the monarch and the monarch would place his foot upon your neck as a sign of your guilt, as a sign of your judgment. But if you were found to be innocent, if you were found that there was no fault in this case, it was said that the monarch would leave the throne and come kneel down beside you and lift your head as a sign that you are vindicated, as a sign that you are innocent, as that there is no fault found in you in this trial. David is saying that he believed that when God is said and done, that he will be found innocent, that he will be found guiltless, and that God himself will lift his head and prove to all of the nation of Israel that he indeed was innocent. Notice the confidence that David had in God. He has confidence in prayer. You can almost see how his feelings began to overwhelm him. Because in verse 4, he does not say what he prayed. He tells us how he prayed. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. You ever heard something or had news that came to your ears and immediately as soon as it arrived to you, the first thing you said is like, we need to pray about this right now. Something that grieved you so much that you didn't find yourself over in the corner, but you just started wailing aloud, making a confession and making a supplication unto the Lord for your desperate need of help. 
David said, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. There's no help for you, David. David says, on the contrary, I cried aloud, and he heard me. I cried aloud, and God heard me all the way in his holy hill. When the enemies cast their bolts of despair and slander upon me, giving their list of desires, their list of wishes, I cried unto the Lord. Notice he uses the covenant name for God, Lord, Jehovah. This was God's covenant name for his people. When promises was delivered unto the people of Israel, it was Jehovah who made this promise. It was like the stamp that said, you have nothing to worry about. It is the guarantee. David cries out to God in his covenant name saying, I am banking that you are just as just as you've always been. I am banking on the fact that you are righteous, that you are holy, that you are sovereign, and that you are absolutely in control of this. And I know, Lord, by banking on this covenant name that these people have not slipped by you. I know that your eyes are upon the entire universe and that you see every spell that flies. But I know, Lord, with all of my heart that you have not missed these enemies who are chasing me. He was banking on the promises of God. I cried unto the Lord with my voice and he heard me out of his holy hill. I believe, you know, when you take in the context of everything that's going on here, that David was probably recounting what the people had said, there's no help for you. When Shimei was saying, you bloody man, you bloody man, you bloody man. I believe that David was playing that back in his mind as he escaped that next morning. All the things that people were saying, how there was no help, how he was a bloody man, how he sinned. But David is playing back in his mind. You don't understand. I've cried unto God and he heard me from his holy hill and put away my sin. It was David's reminder that his sins were put away. It doesn't matter what the enemy says. David cried unto the Lord, and God sent Nathan to tell David that the Lord had put away his sins from him. David was thankful that even in this sinful state that he uttered words unto God, and God heard him from his holy hill. Notice the confidence he has here. I laid me down. And slept. I await, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousand of people that have set themselves against me round about. I find that, and I love that. Not only it's like three parts. I laid me down. I don't know about you, but when I find myself irritated anxious, you should see me about 8 o'clock in the morning, 7 o'clock in the morning here on Sunday morning, just pacing back and forth. I find myself that way that I can't stop, I can't rest, I, I just keep going until that moment, till that time where, you know, we finally begin the services and, and praying that God will help us through this whole day. When I find myself nervous, I'm constantly moving. The fact that David says, I laid me down. In the midst of all of this, it's beyond me. And sometimes even at home, my wife is notorious for telling me, stop pacing, <laughs> sit down. But even when I sit down, 
I begin to irritate her with a million questions. And she says, go back to pacing. You know, I can't even think about sleeping. But David says, I laid me down and slept. And if that wasn't enough, <laughs> I slept all night. I awoke the next morning. Why? Because the Lord sustained me. The Lord had brought me through. Not only did he give me the peace to lay down, not only did he tuck me in good night, but it kept me the whole night sleeping. When I awoke, I knew it was because the Lord had kept me safe. While Absalom had the numbers, David had God. While they were seeking to destroy David, David had God. While his life was on the line, then he, I don't think this was some kind of hyperbole here. I believe it was truly tens of thousands that were hunting for David. He said, I laid me down to sleep. David found rest because his confidence was in God. He didn't lay there tossing and turning. Oh, no, what's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen this evening? What shall I do? He said, I laid me down and slept. Look at this battle cry here in closing. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. This was Israel's battle cry. For those who don't know that, back in Numbers chapter 10 and verse 35, when they were preparing to go into the battle, Moses said, and it came to pass when the ark set forward that Moses said, rise up, Lord. And let thine enemies be scattered, and let them that hate thee flee before thee. So David says, O Lord, arise and defend those that belong to you. O Lord, arise and scatter the enemy. O Lord, arise and let them flee before thee. This David has already turned it over to God, just like Moses did in Numbers. This isn't my battle, Lord. This is yours. Let them flee from you. David didn't petition God that they would be afraid of him. David didn't petition God that they would run in fear of him and his mighty men. He said, let them flee from you, O Lord. Do your work that you have done before. Psalms 3, for those who don't know, is the first of a lot of things. It's the first, it's the first psalm that gives us a subscription. It's the first psalm that gives us a superscription. It's the first psalm that was dedicated like in the beginning, a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. And it is also the first of the imprecatory psalms, meaning it is the first of the psalms where David cries out and asks God to do something against those who are trying to do him harm. Notice what he says. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. You got to love this. David doesn't ask for God to kill him. You don't want that. He asks God to tune him up. He says, Lord, smite them upon the cheekbone. Break their teeth off out of their mouth. Why does he even say it? It's like David is saying, because when you do raise my head back up, 
When I do return home, I'm going to be in the midst of all my enemies, but I want them to lose their bite. Hey, listen, when God is our shield and our protector, he can place us in the midst of our enemies who can no longer harm us. He can render our enemies in a position where they may still have a bark, but they have absolutely no bite. Where they arrive at a place in their own mind that says, last time I did that, this happened for me, and it didn't turn out so well. David doesn't say, God, kill him. He just says, straighten him up, please, Lord. Only you can do such the thing. What do we do with troubling news? In closing, we petition the throne of God. What do we do when people say, there's no hope for us in God? What do we do? We petition the throne of God. When people say there's no way out of this, Tell them the great news. We aren't running. We have a shield in God. When people say, you know what? You're going to lose all of those things if you don't work Sundays. You're going to lose all of those things if you don't do this. You're going to lose all those things if you don't do that. Listen, you're saying to these things to me as if they are my glory and satisfaction. My satisfaction and my glory is in God whom I cannot lose. What do we do with troubling news? What do we do when tens of thousands are encamped around us seeking to do us harm? We do the battle cry of the Old Testament. Arise, O Lord, scatter the enemy before you. Do your work that only you can do. You know, when David brings this to a close, he has arrived from the problem that was before him, the things that they were doing, the things that they were saying, and the conclusion of where he stood in God. And in closing, he says, Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. David had concluded, whether it be physical or whether it be spiritual, whether it be defending him from the enemy or whether it be him being lifted up, whether it be he lost all his possessions or whether he kept his prized possession, it all came back to the Lord. Salvation, not only salvation and spiritual salvation is of the Lord, but our physical well-being, our physical salvation is of the Lord. We know this, we say this, we confess this when we say he is the great physician. What are we saying? That our physical well-being is of the Lord. When we pray that the Lord will help this country and change this country, we are confessing that salvation, meaning change for this world, is only going to come from the Lord. It is where we bank all of our hope and trust. We're not going to run in fear and flight and listen to the whims of the world because we serve a God who not only is our glory, but he is our shield. And while this world may mock us and bring us to a place where at times we hang our head, we know that one day at the trump, at the voice of the archangel, when the dead in Christ shall rise, all of us will be caught up together and be with our Lord, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And on that day, my friend, there will not be a believer in the entire universe with their head hung low. 
there is coming a day where he shall lift our heads. Let's pray. Our gracious heavenly Father, Lord, we give thanks to you for your word. We give thanks to you for the encouragement that we find in your word. Lord, I pray that you'll continue to work through the Witten Place Baptist Church, Lord, that you'll continue to bless us, Lord, and that you'll continue to use us to be a light to this community, that we'll continue to be a light that points people to you, that people, when they meet us and they see our confidence and they see our courage, they will come to the conclusion of one thing. He is in Christ. Lord, I want the world to know where I have come to rest. Who has set the temperature in my life? And that's you. Lord, be with us this evening. In Jesus' name, amen.